Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Um, Pesach is coming up soon, and soon it's going to be the question, why is this night different from all other nights? So I'm going to ask you now, why is this show different from all other shows? Um, Avrami, our sound engineer, has mentioned to me before when I've talked about who we're going to have on the show this week or that week. We've been, you know, chasing down some pretty interesting guests for the last couple of years as the show has been going on. He said, you could just do a show on the sort of the status of the organization, Jew in the City. And I don't know, I hemmed, I hawed. I always sort of see this show and this space as a place to hear from other people because God knows people hear a lot from me. Um, but then I was thinking recently, you know, Pesach is coming up. People are running around. Can I talk for a half hour straight? Well, the thing is that I know that I can because back when I was 10 years old, there was a talking contest on my camp van. And, you know, they were trying to see who could talk for like five minutes in a row, 10 minutes in a row. So I went the entire hour um, and I didn't even run out of things to talk about. Um, when I learned the uh, Jewish teaching that we're only given a certain amount of words in our lifetime before, you know, we are gone, I just remember davening that point. I hope you gave me a lot of words, Hashem. Um, and so with, uh, with that note, I thought that just like, you know, the President of the United States does a State of the Union address um, for, uh, you know, the country every so often, I thought maybe we would do a State of the Union for um, this um, interesting um, organization uh, that has morphed into all sorts of things since its conception. Um, we are now actually coming to our 10-year anniversary at Jew in the City. Um, that will be this August, actually. Um, and so maybe it's a good time to get reflective, although honestly, I've been reflecting for a long part of my life. In fact, it's a life of reflection. Um, and for those of you who have never heard my backstory, I do have a short video on this that you can find on JewInTheCity.com or my YouTube page. Um, but my actual journey to an observant Jewish life began with uh, a lot of reflection. Um, first, I started worrying about infinity and the universe not ending after my father had a couple random talks with me when I was eight years old, just to kind of strike up conversation. Um, a few months after my mind was sort of thinking about these deeper topics, there was a triple murder in my town. My father went crazy, killed both of his kids and himself. And suddenly the happy, privileged, loving, secular Jewish life that I had been living for almost nine years was shattered in an instant as I started to realize that my life or the lives of the people that I love most could end at any moment, that there would be an eternity of time to face, um, that all the wonderful things that were in my life um, that I was sort of busy with every day didn't seem to actually matter or didn't seem to actually amount to anything. And although my parents... And my teachers, you know, had lots of lessons to teach me and lots of love to give me. I realized that no one had ever given me the lesson about why we exist. And when I asked my parents a few days later, very casually, why we're here, they just stared back at me as if this was a question you never said out loud. So this is a horrible discovery to make at eight years old. Um, and I went to all the other smart, successful people in my world, and no one actually had an answer. And the answer that I was given again and again was don't ask this, no one knows, basically stay busy. And so it was this um, sort of deep uh, desire, the, probably the, the deepest question that a human being can ask, why do I exist, why am I here, that I believe really is the sort of the basis and the, the backbone of what Jew in the City is. You know, our mission at Jew in the City is to break down stereotypes about Orthodox Jews and offer a humorous and meaningful look into uh, you know, a traditional Jewish way of life. But really what's always been 
meaningful to me is that I want every Jewish person to know, and really every human that's interested, um, to live a life that is meaningful and live a life that um, at least seems like it's adding up to, to something, to something transcendent. Um, I used to believe in trying to prove faith. Um, there, you know, were different books or different tricks that, um, you know, have been written uh, in our uh, community about, you know, proving God and proving the Torah is divine. And I've sort of, I would say, matured past that approach because at the end of the day, the skeptic will always find the way to, you know, sort of undo whatever argument you've made. And ultimately, I don't think that these things are meant to be proven. Um, one of uh, my favorite uh, rabbis to quote kind of on this subject is Rabbi Ari Kaplan, who talks about that we need to always have the um, the doubt in our mind if this is all true, if this is all real. And he likens it to a um, person driving and seeing the cop in his rearview mirror. If you could see the cop in your rearview mirror, i.e. God, whenever you were driving, i.e. living, would you ever have any free will to speed or uh, to commit a sin? And the answer, obviously, is that you would be trapped. And so your free will your free will would disappear. And so we have to live in a world of hiddenness, in a world where we don't always see that the obvious answer to a mitzvah is a reward and the obvious answer to an avera is a punishment. Um, another teaching that um, I found to be very meaningful in terms of my developed understanding of faith, um, I heard a lesson back when I was in college that the word MS gives you all three letters of the alphabet spread throughout, and that's Aleph at the beginning, and Mem in the middle, and Saf at the end, and MS is the entire picture. And then the word Emuna, faith, um, is kind of like MS, but then it just stops. It's Aleph at the beginning, Mem in the middle, and then right next to it, none in the middle. And so Emuna is not the full picture. It's a conviction to believe. So I have many convictions to believe that there's something special about our people. Um, when I look at when I look at it, the front page of a newspaper and I see that there's always something going on connected to the Jewish people, even sometimes like Orthodox Jewish people. Like the other day I saw it was like uh, Madison Square Garden where we had an Orthodox Jewish all-star uh, that we you know, uh, awarded last year who was the general counsel of that organization. And then an article right next to that um, connected to Greg Zuckerman, another one of our all-stars last year. And um, certainly Israel is always the topic of conversation, and certainly Israel is always treated at a standard that is so different, that is so obviously and noticeably different than every other country in the world. And so when I look at our history and how we're treated and how none of it actually goes by any other regular rules and how we were exiled from this land and how we have gathered in from all four corners of the earth, as the prophet said we would. Um, we recently interviewed Michael Foynd, who uh, started this organization, Shave Israel, where they are literally gathering Jews that have been dispersed to all four corners and they were returning to the land. Um, when you consider the way the, the land laid fallow and then bloomed when the Jews returned, when you look at the wars of Israel, when you... When I have uh, learned Torah from a great Torah teacher, and the message is so profound, more profound than the philosophy that I studied at an Ivy League university, I did study philosophy, because what else do you do with an eight-year-old that's wondering about the meaning of life? Um, and when I see Torah true Jews, Jews that truly embody chesed, and really just live to give to other people, and are selfless, and are devoid of ego, um, those are the things that I would call conviction that I base my amuna on, my foundation on. But ultimately, 
at the end of the conviction, we're left with that choice at the end. We're not given the full picture like MS is. We're just left hanging in the middle. And I think at that point, we have the choice of faith. And I think faith is a choice. And, you know, Hashem tells the Jewish people, he brings them, uh, you know, at the end of the Torah to two mountains. I'm going to place before you a blessing and a curse. Choose a blessing. I'm going to place before you life and death. Choose life. And I believe that living with Amuna is choosing blessing because um, a person that believes has everything that he needs. And a person that, you know, doesn't believe, um, they're already dead because this world is fleeting. And everywhere, everything that I look around me, buy new clothes for Yantif, buy new shoes, and instantly they get scratched, they get scuffed, something gets pulled. How many washes can a new dress have before um, it starts to look worn? Even our own bodies, our own selves over time wear out. And so for me, this message of the eternal Jewish people um, and connecting to something bigger than ourselves is really the, the foundation of why I started this organization. And that's something that I want every Jew to have. Now, when I started Jew in the City, um, coming on 10 years ago, what I realized is that I had been raised with so many misconceptions, so many stereotypes about the Orthodox community, and it had come from the headlines, which essentially captures the crooks, creeps, and extremists of our world. And um, then I started meeting Orthodox Jews in real life. I met people in Teaneck, and I met people in Manhattan, and I met people in Long Island, and I met Orthodox Jews out of town, and I met people from a variety of Orthodox communities. And I wondered, like, where were you? Where was this open-minded, normal, balanced, kind, chesed-filled person that I never came into contact with because, well, I just saw you Orthodox Jews kind of walking along the street on Shabbos when I would drive by, or I would read about you um, in the newspapers covering up abuse or defrauding the government, but I never got to talk to the nice and the normal ones and actually interact with them. And it was the realization that there are so many untold stories that the world never hears about unless we actively go out and tell them that was the impetus of starting Jew in the City. But here's the crazy thing for people who haven't always been listening or don't know everything that we're up to. The most surprising thing was how many Orthodox Jews needed Jew in the City. I mean, two-thirds of our followers from our survey from a couple of years ago, we found out are Orthodox. And these are people that were raised to, you know, keep the mitzvos and they learned Torah, yet they needed Jew in the City. Why? What could we possibly offer? What could the perspective of a Baal Tshuva offer an FFB who had been raised to observe and to learn Torah their whole life. But what I realized is that for a lot of people, um, they never actually got the meaning behind the mitzvos in school and all those years of school for some crazy reason. Um, their school never helped them deal with some of those issues that we have in the modern world where we have to figure out how some of our traditional values can possibly um, you know, work or fit into a world where they seem to not quite jive with uh, the modern world. Um, and then something else that we learned that is a little bit troubling is that for a lot of people, they would read the negative headlines. And even though they knew they were a good person and they knew that their family and friends were good people, sort of seeing their community again and again trounced in the headlines and then reading the comment sections took away a certain sense of pride or a certain sense of, I don't know, being special. And 
I think sometimes, unfortunately, I mean, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs talks about this, that we have to remember what we're here for, that we have a mission, that we have a purpose, that we've come into the world, that we're not just here to do laws for the sake of laws, but that we're here to improve the world and better the world and share an inspiration. And a message just came in recently that I've uh, been meaning to post on Facebook. Um, When you get messages like this, you feel like, Okay, like this is this is what it's all about. This is what it's worth it. I happen to hate fundraising. I mean, I guess most people do. I have met a few weird people that like it, but um, I hate fundraising. By the way, we are open for fundraising, and you can donate on JewInTheCity.com on our donate button. Um, but I literally have to do what I hate most in order to do what I love most because I, I want every Jew to have that connection to Torah and mitzvot um, that I have come to know and has benefited my life so much. And so we got a message from this woman who is from from birth, and she came from a happy, stable, normal background. She says, I wanted to write for you for a while and tell you how much your organization has impacted my life spiritually, professionally, and personally. I grew up in a warm, educated, from family that is fourth-generation American centrist Orthodox. Being connected to Yiddishkeit and strengthening the Jewish community has been part of my family's mission for decades. But as much as having a strong foundation with role models is essential, like all adults, I had to find my own spiritual connection to Hashem that feels real, unconditional, and accessible. As a wife, mother, and psychotherapist, my spiritual antenna needs to be up for me to be able to enjoy the wonderful blessings in my life. If I'm not picking up the God frequency, I'm picking up static. Here's where Jew in the City comes in. It's not enough for me to listen to Shirim, read a nice idea, or say to Hillam. I need to nurture the foundation for why I do those things. The words that come to mind are the ones we say in the last paragraph of Shemona Esrei. Petachli bi, betoratecha, vachrei mitzvotecha, tirdof nafshi. For me, my heart needs to be open in order for me to be willing and inspired to take action. Jew in the City has opened my heart in critical ways and bolstered my spiritual connection, as well as my confidence as a from Jewish working, Jewish working in the secular world. Jew in the City has helped me feel more integrated as a person and more at peace with the various juggles that make my life so stressful and beautiful at the same time. So thank you for all the work that you do. It's a huge Kiddush Hashem, not just for the Gentiles, not just for the not yet from Jews, but even for those of us who grew up in a from home. We're all yearning for inspiration. Thanks for bringing more meaning to my life. So getting this message recently, um, really, you know, when you have a goal in mind, when you have a a dream of what you want to accomplish in the world, bring more meaning to the lives of Jews or really to the lives of people. And then years later, you see that you are doing that, that, you know, really this initiative that you built, because it's really so much more than me, um, is able to achieve that and, and bring meaning and purpose to the lives of people that I never even met. Um, it is such an edifying feeling. So as I said before, even though I absolutely despise fundraising, um, I'm willing to confront really one of my worst um, hates and one of my worst fears in order to be able to uh, bring this to the world. And so um, as, as I was saying before, um, we ended up reaching um, from from birth Jews that we never expected to reach. And people have literally written in comments like this was the first time I've ever been proud to be Jewish. I, I can't tell you how horrified that makes me feel that these videos, these crazy videos that, you know, I came up with on a, a whim, you know, several years ago. And these posts are making people that were their entire life being raised, observant, going to Jewish school. It's the first time they feel proud to be Jewish. I, I, it makes me feel overwhelmed because I frankly feel like, who am I exactly? Like, these are just some thoughts that come to my head and some things that are meaningful to me. But like, what is going on with our system of chinuch? Um, 
so anyway, so we are reaching, thank God, um, this from from birth crowd and giving a lot of inspiration. And but we've also begun to reach another unexpected crowd in the last couple of years. We have made a bit of a dent in the off the derech or the ex Hasidic crowd, a group that we never imagined in a million years would be following. Because frankly, I didn't think that you know unhappy or ex Hasidim were you know watching uh, you know as maybe uh, too positive or you know super sincere uh, Jewish woman talk about the, the benefits of an orthodox lifestyle. But what we discovered a couple of years ago was that there were people raising the ultra parts of the Hasidish world because every community, yeshivish, Hasidish, Chabad, modern, we all have divisions within our divisions and people that were grouped in a very tiny box and were practicing things that were, you know, chumr on top of chumr, minhag on top of minhag, and everything was about no um, came to our content, our videos, our posts, and saw an open-minded, integrated, um, non-judgmental, um, fun way of approaching Torah that they wanted. And they came to us and asked us if we could help them do that as well. And so um, launching Project Makom, which whose mission is to give every uh, Haredi Jew uh, the ability to find their place in orthodoxy that is looking. Some people leave and they don't want to find their place at all. They're done with observance. But we found actually that there's a whole lot of people leaving the ultra Haredi world and are looking to land somewhere else in the observant world. In fact, in our first year of programming, we had over 700 people come to our Facebook group. In our first year of programming, where we launched 36 in-person events, we had almost 200 people come out. Um, we found that actually most people would like to land somewhere in a world that still has Shabbos and a world that still has Yantif because there are nice memories that they had from their childhood. They just don't want the judgmentalism and the small boxes and the lack of secular education and the lack of connecting to the world. And so because we built out Project Makom, um, we were very fortunate to um, get fall into some major funding, um, which we have used now to build out our Jew in the City channels because we believe that Jew in the City is really the first level of programming for Project Makom. Um, we are literally connecting with people um, who didn't even know this kind of Judaism existed, and they're on their way out, they're unhappy, and they stop and take a second look. Now, we heard this amazing story of this guy that was at the YU graduation last year. Um, I had a relative that was graduating, and I saw a very Hasidish family in the audience, and I was so curious, like, who is this? They looked very supportive of their graduate. I posted on the Project Malcolm Facebook group. I know many of you don't have supportive family, but there's some grad here whose family has beaming faces. And you should just know that there's good news, too. Someone wrote in. That's my friend. I had a chat with a guy. And he said to me that he watched all of our videos back when he was in his Satmar Yeshiva. And I, I said, oh, that's very surprising. Um can I ask you, do they happen to affect you at all? Did you in the city affect you? He said a thousand percent. It opened up a world to me. I didn't know it was out there. I was unhappy where I was in summer. I was looking for something else. And suddenly this whole world became open to me and he went out and got it. And he's a YU grad. So that's the case of someone who um, was unhappy in the Hasidic world, found a di different derech through our content and went out and got it. For many of the people in Project Makom, they don't have that family support. And so making a transition, even if they're still going to stay totally from to the standards of a modern or centrist Orthodox Jew, it's not going to be enough for their Hasidic family. And so it's it's very painful. Um, but we, we have built out our infrastructure. We now have a social worker on staff. Um, we have a follow-up coordinator on staff. 
we have built a database and we have developed an intake process and we have our first 45 members in our system. That means that we've heard their story. We know where their struggles are and based on what they're telling us, we now know what we need to build out. And so one person said that, you know, she's essentially been disowned by her family. And so we went to our 45 members and said, does someone else want to support group two? We found 15 people are in a similar boat. Um, we have many people that need ESL classes, GED classes. Um, you know, they want to visit different communities for Shabbos. Um, they want to get matched with someone from another community so they can learn more about their lifestyle or they can have a friend or they can get tutored while they're doing their GED or they can get help with a college resume. So we're just trying to approach this situation in a very holistic way um, to sort of catch them up um, as it were on all the things that they might be missing if they wanted to fit in or feel more comfortable in a community that's different from the one that they came from. Now, um, I know plenty of modern Orthodox Jews that went more to the right. It seems to be an easier transition to be kind of more integrated with the world and choose a more cloistered or Haredi life. Um, when you're raised in the most ultra parts of the Haredi world, it seems to be a lot more challenging to um, move more to the left or more, you know, to integrate with the secular world with that uh, balance. And so that's what we're trying to offer. Um, and then a final um, thing that we're offering now um, that we moved into is sort of our our latest thing as we come towards our 10-year anniversary is we have moved into some quiet advocacy work. Um, it's a little bit terrifying for me as the cheerleader of orthodoxy and sort of pushing back at the media. And the media does need to be corrected because the media so often is so not nuanced and so not balanced. And they would so much more prefer to, you know, um, tell all the awful stories and ignore all the wonderful stories and not give context or, you know, balance to, you know, news stories that happen. The characters in Hollywood and TV and movies are always over the top and ridiculous. So we're making inroads in getting the media to pay some attention to us and, you know, to take our community more seriously and to treat us like a minority, treat us how they treat every other minority with respect and dignity and not, you know, uh, here to just make a mockery of us. But a little bit of a scary thing happened on this road to trying to figure out how do we increase um, Kiddush Hashem? How do we decrease Chil Hashem? Unfortunately, what I have discovered is that um, a decent amount of the stereotypes that exist in the secular world about the Orthodox world, unfortunately, have been born out of actual practices, out of actual dysfunction. And it's a little bit of a scary discovery um, for the starry-eyed Balas Chuva, who, thank God, has mostly had only very positive experiences with Jews from every walk of life. And I, I have, you know, I have friends in Lakewood, and I have friends in Borough Park, and I have Lubavitch friends, and I've really, thank God, um, only had, with a couple exceptions, such beautiful um, interactions. And yet, as I meet these people from Project Makom, and they share with me, with us, with our staff, the things that they went through, the ways that they were taught, um, a fear of God. We had one woman at our first Shabbaton explain to us, of course, I believe in Hashem, but he's the boogeyman waiting to strike me down. My husband spoke of that first Shabbaton as well. And he said, as I'm sure you're all familiar with, with Benos Lavchad, and they said to him, don't assume we're familiar with anything. You think we learned that part of the Torah when they heard about that this was the part of the Torah where the women came up and, you know, sort of spoke back to Hashem. Um, I have learned about some major um, misinformation being taught in Kala classes. Thank God it seems to be better in the last few years, but 
it seems like eight years and before that, there has been some serious misinformation taught in far too many kala classes. And so that stereotype that people have about Orthodox Jews and being repressed in the bedroom, unfortunately, um, some very misguided kala teachers have unfortunately taught some very misguided messages. And there are, as far as we understand now, and I'm being told by kala teachers who specialize in the Haredi community that are Haredi themselves with Haskamos from major rabbis, um, major dysfunction going on. And so we're trying to address these things now quietly with Rabbanim, um, a project that we have been involved in in the past and, you know, God willing, will continue to be involved in um, is the halachic prenup. Um, you know, when the Aguna headlines were just coming in the news one after another, I talked to my board and I say, what, what do we do about these headlines? And there's only so many things that you can try to spin in a certain way. You can't spin um, the Aguna crisis. It, it just doesn't work. Um, 20 years ago, um, some very special Rabbanim came up with a solution. In 20 years of use, the halachic prenup has been 100% effective when duly executed. And so we got on the phone at Jew in the City and started calling rabbis where this is not as commonly used to ask them, why are you not using this? I was raised to believe that Orthodox Jews hate women. If you don't put your name on this document now and say to use it, then maybe maybe the people that told me I should never become Orthodox were right. And so Baruch Hashem, um, we had rabbis agree to sign on, even though it culturally wasn't what they were used to. Um, the good news actually is that there is a Haredi Nasach of the Halachic prenup that is being worked on right now um, with some very heavy hitters in the Haredi world. And God willing, um, when it is ready to go out there, we will be promoting it to uh, the larger world through social media, through our PR channels, and um, really... You know, we think that this is the definition of a Kiddush Hashem, um, taking a look at challenges in our community and not being afraid to step up and speak about them and look to how to really to do tshuva, because um, if we just pretend that we're perfect and nothing can be improved and people are suffering, um, why shouldn't the world look down on us? I mean, I think that that is something that people should um, rightly criticize us for. If we're willing to step up and say we were wrong, um, we need to change. We need to be better. Then I think um, I think I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life when I describe to non-Orthodox Jews how we promote the positive stuff, but we also um, are taking a critical look and seeing where we can improve to stop the stereotypes in their root, which is the dysfunction. They have so much respect. They have all the respect in the world. And for any person ever involved in Jewish outreach that thinks that the the way to inspire a less observant Jew is to just shine everything up and just kind of hide all the mess, you know, in your closet and pretend it's not there. There's nothing impressive about that because if you did hook them in and they one day come into your house and then open up the closet and see all the junk fall out, well, you have lost. And I have seen those people. I've met those people. They felt like um, they were sold a false bill of goods. If you're willing to deal with the reality at hand and you say, okay, we have some problems, there are some challenges here, but despite those challenges, X, Y, and Z are the reasons that I'm inspired, are the reasons that I have faith, um, and I'm fighting to clean up the schmutz. Um, you end up having um, a very inspired uh, crowd. Even if they don't choose to adopt your way of life, you certainly have their respect, 
And that's pretty much all you can hope for because how people choose to observe ultimately comes up to them. Because I said before at the beginning, um, Hashem endowed us with free will and left the world kind of hazy. And so um, there you have it. That is an update of our organization. I could have talked for another half hour. Um, check out our Maccabees Sound of Silence Shabbos video that we'll be hitting jewinthecity.com after Pesach. Um, we're going to be blowing you away with, with this one. They have covered the Sound of Silence in a way that you've never seen before. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your continued support. Um, and we hope that we will have 10 more strong years at Jew in the City. All the best, and you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.